When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Doc Vader, the most powerful clinician in the galaxy. You are listening to the Inside the Boards podcast. The force is moderately to severely strong with this one. Vader out. Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast the podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed in medical school. And now here's your host, Patrick Beeman. Welcome back, Boards Insiders. I am Patrick Beeman, your host. How cool is that intro from Z-Dog MD's character, Doc Vader? Thanks again, Z-Dog, for doing that for us. I, I just love that. You guys really should check out the Incident Report Facebook Live show or podcast. Z-Dog's vision for Health 3.0 is a movement, and it's one that I am behind 100%. In fact, I see ITB as a Health 3.0-inspired medical education company, and uh, I would also say there are a few others out there, like Online MedEd, who share that philosophy. So... Join the movement. Listen to Z-Dog. It's well worth it. Today, we're coming at you with an example from our first and second year version uh, of our all-audio QBank powered by Osmosis, this time from the anatomy section, thanks to our producer, Stuart Bryant. You can go to insidetheboards.com slash QBank and get in on the intro pricing. We've kept the price a little bit lower because we're somewhat behind on the third year content. We just have some internal medicine and surgery stuff up there now. But the good news is I will be taking some time off from mid-November to mid-December to really get the content up and out there. So you can get the one-year access to both versions of the QBank, which will have about four to 500 questions for the first and second year version, and four to 500 questions from the third year version when all is said and done by April, May 2018 for just $59 if you use the code podcast at checkout. And because of popular demand, uh, go to that webpage and there will be a pop-up offer to try the audio QBank content for just $14.99 which you can also redeem by going to our Podbean page, insidetheboards.podbean.com. Thanks for listening, and please continue to share the show with your friends and send us your ideas. We've been releasing examples from the Audio QBank because of time constraints, but the future holds a little bit more time for me, thankfully, and I will update you guys more on that in the upcoming episodes, but we want to offer something that helps you with your medical school coursework, your clerkships, and in general, your medical education from med school onward. 
So if you have ideas on what you'd like to hear on the show, send us an email to podcast at insidetheboards.com. We have some ideas for series that are on the scope of our Study Smarter series for the USMLE Step 1 and Comlex Level 1 that we did from March through early June of this past year. And we'd like to do something on that scale again, but we want to make sure that our listeners are driving the content because ITB is not just something Patrick Beeman, Stuart Bryant, and Elizabeth Beeman are trying to do. We want it to be something that you participate in to make the study resources and the content that you need to succeed. So without further ado, here's Stuart with some high-yield anatomy questions. A 25-year-old woman is undergoing a nephrectomy in order to donate her kidney to her older sister, who has renal failure. The surgeon accidentally cuts a vein draining into the inferior aspect of the renal vein on the side of the kidney, which is to be removed. What is the most likely identity of this vein? A. Left ovarian vein. B. Left suprarenal vein. C. Right ovarian vein. D. Right suprarenal vein. The correct answer is A. Left ovarian vein. The main explanation here is that the left ovarian vein, or in men the testicular vein, enters the inferior aspect of the left renal vein. The left suprarenal vein also enters into the left renal vein, but it is the superior aspect. The right ovarian vein and right suprarenal vein drain directly into the inferior vena cava. The splenic vein joins with the superior mesenteric vein to form the portal vein. Of note, in kidney transplantation, the left kidney is usually preferred because the left renal vein is longer than the right renal vein. The left renal vein has to cross over the vertebral column in order to get to the inferior vena cava, while the right does not. A patient presents to your clinic with a complaint of visual difficulties. On physical exam, you notice that when the patient looks to the left, only her right eye moves. The rest of the exam is within normal limits. The nerve responsible for this patient's problem travels through which of the following structures? A. The internal auditory meatus. B. Foramen ovale. C. Foramen rotundum. D. Optic canal. E. Superior orbital fissure. The correct answer is E. The superior orbital fissure. The main explanation here is that this patient in the question stem presents with a lateral rectus palsy on the left side. The nerve responsible for this muscle is the abducens nerve, which is cranial nerve 6. Due to its long path, this cranial nerve is the most susceptible to injury. During its path from the brainstem to the extraocular muscles, the abducens passes through the superior orbital fissure. Other nerves that pass here include the cranial nerves 3, 4, and the first branch of the fifth nerve. The second branch of the fifth cranial nerve passes through the foramen rotundum, while the third branch of the fifth cranial nerve passes through foramen ovale. The optic nerve, the ophthalmic artery, and the central retinal vein pass through the optic canal. Cranial nerves 7 and 8 pass through the internal auditory meatus. A 15-year-old boy presents to your office complaining of a painful mass on the right side of his neck for one week. Last week, he had a sore throat and productive, non-bloody cough, which has since gone away. He has noticed that the mass usually becomes painful whenever he is sick with a sore throat, but it is never completely gone. 
He appears anxious because he cannot remember the last time the mass was not present. On physical exam, the mass is immobile and slightly painful to touch, and his oropharynx is clear. What is the likely etiology of this patient's mass? A. Bacterial abscess. B. Ectopic thyroid tissue. C. Incomplete involution of brachial cleft 1. D. Incomplete involution of brachial cleft 3. E. Neoplasm. The correct answer is D. Incomplete involution of brachial cleft 3. The main explanation here is that this patient's complaint is likely due to a brachial cleft cyst due to the incomplete involution of brachial cleft 2, 3, or 4 during the seventh week of embryonic development. Because they are lined with ectoderm, Incomplete involution leaves behind an entrapped epithelial line cyst, which may persist into adulthood, existing as a painless lateral neck mass, only painful during infection. Answer choice A, bacterial abscess, would present with a more dire physical exam, perhaps draining pus, and a patient with febrile illness. Answer choice B, ectopic thyroid tissue, may be found at the base of the tongue or as part of a thyroglossal duct cyst, both of which are ruled out by a normal physical exam. Incomplete involution of brachial cleft 1, answer choice C, would lead to a disruption in the external auditory meatus, the normal derivative of cleft 1, but would not result in a cyst. Neoplasm of the lymph node, answer choice E, is unlikely given the chronic nature of the cyst and the lack of other symptoms of lymphoma. Brachial cleft cyst can be identified through fistulography. A 19-year-old female presents to your clinic for a sports physical before trying out for her college water polo team. During the physical exam, you note that flexing her hip against resistance shows a 5 out of 5 muscle strength. What muscle and nerve roots are being tested in this position? A. Gluteus medius, L4 to S1. B. Iliopsoas, L1 to L4. C. Obturator externus, L2 to L4. D. Semimembranosus, L5 to S2. The correct answer is B, iliopsoas, L1 to L4. The main explanation here is that hip flexion is controlled by the iliopsoas, which is innervated by L1 to L4 nerve roots, and mostly by L2. While the other answer options are all paired with the correct nerve roots, none are involved in hip flexion directly. The semimembranosus extends the thigh while flexing and internally rotates the leg. The obturator externus is involved in leg adduction. The gluteus medius AB ducts the hip. The major takeaway here is that hip flexion is controlled by the iliopsoas, which is innervated by the L1 to L4 nerve roots, and predominantly by L2. A 16-year-old Caucasian boy presents to the clinic with complaints of anosmia. He has normal GnRH levels and sperm production. Upon full review of his symptoms, you discovered that he was involved in a violent altercation with one of his classmates involving a baseball strike to the skull. Which specific part of the cranium may have been damaged? A. Temporal bone. B. Sphenoid bone. C. Mandible. D. Ethmoid bone. E. Maxilla. The correct answer is D. The ethmoid bone. The main explanation here is that cranial nerve 1, the olfactory nerve, is responsible for the special senses of olfaction, smell. It consists of unmyelinated axons of bipolar neurons located in the nasal mucosa, the olfactory epithelium. It enters the skull via the foramina of the cribiform plate, 
of the ethmoid bone. If there was an ethmoid bone fracture, as indicated in this case, anosmia, or loss of olfactory sensation, could result. GnRH level and sexual function are relevant to differentiate this diagnosis from Kallman syndrome, which is a genetic condition that can also present as anosmia. A physician is performing a cranial nerve exam on a patient. While testing the gag reflex, it is noted that when the right side of the pharyngeal mucosa is touched, the patient's uvula deviates to the right. When the left side is touched, the patient does not gag. Which of the following is the most likely location of his lesion? A. The left glossopharyngeal nerve and left vagus nerve. B. The left glossopharyngeal nerve only. C. The left vagus nerve only. D. The right glossopharyngeal nerve and right vagus nerve. E. The right glossopharyngeal nerve only. The correct answer is A. The left glossopharyngeal nerve and left vagus nerve. The main explanation here is that the gag reflex requires that the glossopharyngeal nerve for the sensory limb of the reflex and the vagus nerve for the motor limb of the reflex be present. A lesion of the left glossopharyngeal nerve will denervate the sensory receptors on the left side of the pharynx. Thus, when the left side is touched, the patient does not feel it and does not gag. The gag reflex requires the vagus nerve for the motor limb of the reflex. If the vagus nerve is lesioned, the left side of the soft palate will not elevate during a gag and the uvula will not deviate to the right. In this case, the patient only feels a touch on the right side and only elevates the right side of the palate. Thus, there is a lesion of both the left glossopharyngeal nerve and left vagus nerve. If the patient had a lesion of the right glossopharyngeal nerve and right vagus nerve, touching the right side of the pharynx would not elicit a gag, and touching the left side would elicit a gag, with the uvula deviating to the left. If the patient had only had a lesion of the left glossopharyngeal nerve, there would have been no gag when the left side was touched, but there would be a normal gag without deviation when the other side was touched. If the patient had a lesion of the left vagus nerve only, the patient would have deviated the uvula to the right when a gag was elicited, but touching either side of the pharynx would elicit a gag. Lastly, if the patient had a lesion of the right glossopharyngeal nerve, there would be no gag when the right side was touched, and a normal gag when the left side was touched. And thanks to Sam and Alex from Magic Man for letting us use the track Out of Mind off their 2014 album Before the Waves, which GQ described as 12 tracks of alt joy. To hear more, check them out at magicmanmusic.com or follow them on facebook.com slash magicmanmusic. As always, thanks for listening and sharing Inside the Boards with your friends. Inside the Boards is not affiliated with the United States Medical Licensing Examination, Comprehensive Osteopathic Medical Licensing Examination, National Board of Medical Examiners, National Board of Osteopathic Medical Examiners, or any other licensing or examination body. All exam names or other trademarks are the property of the respective trademark owners. Content discussed during this program is the property of Inside the Boards, or the attributed owner and may not be reproduced without permission from the appropriate entity. Inside the Boards fully adheres to the respective policies on irregular behavior outlined by the aforementioned credentialing bodies. All content discussed is for educational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice.